Welcome to the Bethesda Christian Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit yourbcc.org or download our mobile app from the App Store. Well, good morning. Somebody said to me, happy September. And I said, oh my goodness, can you believe it? When I wrote the date 827 or something the other day, I was like, oh my goodness, I can't believe it. How fast, how fast summer goes and the days go. And uh, as we are now here in what we call our missions month time, I'm grateful that you're here. We're going to talk a little bit about that, but we're going to be talking about it through this month. The thing that I get excited about is you're going to hear testimonies this month of people that are going to be able to speak to us and and what they are doing with their lives and through their testimony, encourage us. And you know what the best part is? Is it's you that are sitting out here in these rows. And that's what I love about it. And, and God is good. And through the Wednesday nights, we're going to have opportunity to have some additional speakers come in. I just want to encourage you this Wednesday night, we're starting our first Wednesday night of Missions Month. And we're going to have a speaker that's coming in that is a representative of the Jesus Film Project. How many have seen the Jesus Film? I see one hand. I know I see a couple. Well, a lot of you have it. All the more reason to come. This thing has been viewed over six billion times. So a few people have seen it. And a lot of people have seen it and have come to Christ because of it. And I want you to come out and hear this representative. His name is uh, Mr. Tuttle. I'm really blanking on this first name right now. But he's going to be here and he's going to share with us about the Jesus Film Project and, and what it's doing. And it's, it's happening all over the globe. And I hope that you'll come out and hear a part of his testimony. And we're going to have our missions team from Mexico talking that night a little bit. So come out, be a part of that. We're going to have food uh, as you heard Noah say, there's a spot in the lobby. If you could be a part of that, we would like that because we want to feed everybody that, that comes in on Wednesday night. We just make that a special time during the month of uh, September. So be part of that. I hope that you'll be here. So Pastor Pat and Pastor Julie are away getting just a brief break. And uh, so as he asked me to speak this week, I said, yes, I would love to, because anytime you could stand in the pulpit here in this church, it's a blessing, it's an honor, uh, it's a privilege. Uh, it's a little bit scary sometimes, I have to admit, thinking of the people that have stood behind this pulpit over the years, what a privilege it is to be here. So I'm going to stay true to how our pastor starts each Sunday. If you will, repeat after me, Lord. Enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Has anybody found a new boldness in their life since we've been starting this back? All right, I love it. So Father, we come before you right now. Lord, I just ask that you'll be in everything that happens. Lord, as you already have been up to this time, I ask that your spirit will continue to move in each and every heart and mind that's in this place. And those that are even watching online that aren't here today, we ask that you just let your spirit settle in that place. We give you the praise, we give you the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. I have heard so many good things about the, the live stream, and I'm grateful for it. 
But the one consistency that I do hear for those that are on the live stream is they miss the spirit of the congregation. And there is something that is here, and I hope that you will recognize that and realize that, that when, God, when God's people get together, God's presence is with us, and I'm just excited about uh, what he's doing, what he's going to continue to do in this local body. So over the last few weeks, I've been having a word that's just been working inside of me. I am kind of breaking Pastor Pat's... Uh, well, it's not a rule, but what he said, that we had been speaking out of the reading for the week. I'm sorry, I'm not doing that today. <laughs> I'm going to do something just a little different. I just really feel impressed by the Lord to talk about this. And, and, and it was even before he asked me to speak on this week, this word had been stirring in me, and uh, I've been dwelling on this thought. And I just want to share my heart with you today, and I trust it'll speak to your heart too. This coming Wednesday, or not this coming, last two weeks ago, Wednesday, I think it was, the 21st, we had a prayer time here in the church that Wednesday night. And in that time, Pastor Pat encouraged us with a short message or a short portion of a message from Charles Spurgeon that has wrecked me. <laughs> if, I could, if I could be honest with you, it is, it's been in my heart, it's been in my thoughts, it has and I'm grateful for it, but it has really did some, I won't say damage because it's too good, but it has really worked to me. And I want you to read this along with me. And this is what he said. Oh, my brothers and sisters in Christ, if sinners will be damned, at least let them leap to hell over our bodies. And if they will perish, let them perish with our arms about their knees, imploring them to stay. If hell must be filled, at least let it be filled with the teeth of our exertions. And let not one of them go unwarned or unprayed for. That has messed with me over the last few weeks, and it's been just an absolute conviction to me. So I'm going to say it up front, and I am not apologizing for who I am, but I am going to say, forgive me if too much raw emotion comes out. <laughs> but I have to say, unfortunately, I found a bad part in here that I don't like. It's been revealed to me, I believe. And this is a, a part of my heart that I believe only Jesus can bring a healing to. And I am asking him for that help to touch me, to move in me. And I don't know when you hear those words that were on the screen and as I read them, what that did to your spirit. But for me, I'm saying, oh, Holy Spirit, move inside of me this morning. Move inside of me every day and allow, Lord, what challenges that need to come to me, let me be challenged by them. If I need healing, let me be healed through your spirit. And here's another quote that has also affected me and has is, is, is touched me and comes from one of the pastors out on the West Coast, Pastor Rick Warren. He said this, because they're, they're going to be putting on a conference in October. And here's, here's what he said that is, caught my attention for this conference, and it says, we need to care about what God cares about. 
And what God cares about the most is seeing his lost children found. Now, I know since the first of the year, as we've been talking about this boldness idea, this idea of, Lord, speak your word into us. Lord, speak your word. And and that, Lord God, that we could speak your word. We could speak your word with that tremendous boldness that it needs to be able to be spoken with. So I've been challenged in my spirit to take a look at my heart and my thoughts when it comes to mankind. And the word that I'm talking about that has been just troubling me over the last number of weeks, probably really the last month, is the word complacency. Looking inside my heart and hearing some of the stories that capture my attention, that capture my thoughts, I have to admit I'm somewhat embarrassed. Complacency has crept into my heart. So I began to look into the scripture and I began to work on this and, and I can't help but uh, take you to really one point of scripture that I felt speaks to kind of what I've been feeling and I, I don't know if it's for you, but I, I do believe it could speak to you and it's out of the book of Revelation chapter three. I think a lot of you will probably already know where I'm going. Revelation three, 14 through 22. And it says this, if you want to turn there, I know Some carry real Bibles still. I'll give you a moment. Even if you're doing electronically, if you're like me, it still takes me a while to find it, uh, unfortunately, but you got to click and click and click and click. So Revelation 3, 14 through 22 says this to the angel of the church and Laodicea write. These are the words of the amen, the faithful and the true witness, the ruler of God's creation. I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot, and I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I am about to spit you out of my mouth. You say, I am rich, I have acquired wealth, and I don't need a thing. I do not need a thing. But you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind and naked. I counsel you to buy gold for me refined in the fire so that you can become rich and white clothes to wear so that you can cover your shameful nakedness and salve to put in your eyes so that you can see. To whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. So be earnest, oh, and listen to this, and repent. Is not repentance a great and tremendous gift to the body of Christ? I lost my place. There we go. Verse 20. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. And if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. To the one who is victorious, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne, just as I was victorious and sat down with my father on his throne. Whoever has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. This is another quote from Charles Spurgeon I want to read to you. And it starts out this way. No scripture ever wears out. 
The epistle to the church of Laodicea is not an old letter, which may be put into the wastebasket and be forgotten. Upon its page still glow, or still glow the words, he that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says unto the churches. The scripture was not meant to instruct the Laodiceans only. It was a wider aim. The actual church of Laodicea has passed away, but other Laodiceans still exist indeed. They are sadly multiplied in our day. And it has ever been the tendency of human nature, however inflamed with the love of God, gradually to chill to lukewarmness. The letter to the Laodiceans is above all others, the epistle for the present time. That was written in 1874. Bethesda Christian Church, I'm not talking to you only as a church. As a church, I don't believe that that's what I, I am not trying to talk to that. I am not making a statement about this church as a whole being lukewarm. But sometimes we as individuals struggle. And lukewarmness, lukewarm, the word that comes to my mind is tepid. I don't like lukewarm. I like it either really fairly warm or I like it cold. How about you? Kind of like the scripture says, right? Um, and as I think about that, and as I read that scripture, I couldn't help but have the word complacent kind of creep into where that word lukewarm is. And complacent, meaning, you know, apathetic or indifferent. Here the Lord is describing a lukewarm heart or an attitude of those in the Laodicean church, an attitude manifested by their deeds. The Laodiceans were neither cold nor hot in relation to God. They were just lukewarm. And from what the scripture says there is it will not be tolerated. I will spit you out of my mouth. Hot water can cleanse. It can purify. Cold water can refresh and, and enliven us. But lukewarm water carries little value. The Laodiceans understood the Lord's analogy, because their city drinking water came through aqueducts that sprang up, that, that, that were bringing water in from six miles south of their city. And when it arrived, it was only lukewarm. See, the Laodicean water was not like the nearby hot springs that the people bathed in, nor was it refresh, refreshingly cold like for drinking. It really... What the Lord is saying here through this word, through this prophecy, is that, in fact, it was nauseating. It was like, I don't even want to let it get into my mouth. I'm going to spew it out. It sickened him. In verse 16. And see, Jesus frequently equates deeds of a person with, with their spiritual state. By their fruit, you will recognize them, and every good tree bears fruit. Let me read Matthew 7, verses 16 and 17 to you. By their fruit, you will recognize them. Do, not peop or do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, 
but a bad tree bears bad fruit. My question to you, one of the questions I want to ask you today is, what is the fruit that you're bearing? What is being produced in the relationships that are surrounding you? I was asked this question and I was troubled by this question. Is it a fruit that just looks good on the outside? How many of you have ever, um, you got an apple, right? We're in Michigan, there's a lot of apples. We're in a season, oh, let's change it. It's peach season. Peach festival happening in Romeo this weekend. Have you ever got a peach? Oh, it looks so good. And you bite into it and it's all mealy. Or it's hard and it's like, ugh. No, I want that peach that when I bite into it, it runs down my elbow and it drips and it's coming and I have to wipe my shirt off, you know? It happens all the time. I was looking at Noah in his shirt today with a bow tie. If I wore a bow tie, I'd look like a balloon, I think. <laughs> you know how you tie the top of the balloon off? And I can't do that. I can't make that work. <laughs> I'm sorry. I really digress. Those crazy thoughts that go through your mind that aren't supposed to be there. Have you ever cut into a watermelon? Oh, I love my watermelon. You cut into it and you can, ugh, mealy again. You know, you can, it just doesn't even taste good. It's such a disappointment. Or maybe it's just not ripe yet. So in this, in these thoughts, I'm just thinking, allow the Lord to help you grow and produce fruit. It says fruit that will last. That fruit of the Spirit, right? That's what I believe it's really talking about, fruit that will be loving and joyful and peaceful. And, you know, as we go through all the different fruits of the Spirit. So I'm trusting that you hear my words today and allow God to work them in your own heart and begin to examine our attitudes towards others that are around us. I'm going to share just a couple examples that, that hit my mind to maybe help you understand a little bit better of what I'm talking about. I occasionally, I occasionally rehearse in my own mind that awful tragedy that happened back in Egypt about, I don't know how many years ago it was right now, but when the ISIS people brought those 21 believing men, those men that professed Jesus Christ out onto the beach and they beheaded them. What really touched my heart was Dr. Sam Asadik from Egypt, our good friend from OSI, Operation Serve, was there. And, and even this church, this congregation, through your giving during a missions time and stuff, we were able to send them some additional funds to help those families because they had no way to earn anything. The one that earned the money for their families over there was now gone. And so he was able to raise enough funds for all 21 of those families to have one year's worth of income to get them along till they could try to get back on their feet. But Dr. Sama, he said these words that as he was working with the people over there and he's working with the families, he said even these families began to speak to him about how we need to pray and how we need to be a people that will pray for those ISIS people because of what they did was so evil and so wrong that they need a savior. Even they need a savior. And I have to admit, and in my embarrassment, if you will, 
I'm thinking, let's get them all together and let's get them in one spot and drop a bomb on them. That was my initial reaction. I was grateful to learn that law enforcement finally apprehended the man that used the Victory Inn, which was a front for human trafficking here in Detroit. And it took them three years to finally find him, but they finally caught him. I was, yes, Lord, thank you for him getting caught. He deserves all the punishment he could get. I hope they put him in a place and let him rot. That was my initial response. And I'm sure it may have been with others too. But here's where the challenging comes in. Here's the challenging thing that comes in. What if our Lord had had that kind of an attitude that I admit to when he watched Paul do the same things to the Christians of that day? Or how about Peter? Who would say that, oh Jesus, I will die for you. But before he knew what he was doing, three times he had denied him. What if Jesus had had my attitude towards Peter that I had towards some of these other people that have done awful, tragic, horrible things? And I'm glad that God is the judge and I am not. But I just think of those words of Jesus that when they came to see him, risen from that grave, that Jesus actually made a personal invitation, a special message for them to tell Peter specifically that he was back. See, we've learned that complacency with God can be a very deadly thing. It can be that thing that can be where we can be spewed out of his mouth. It robs us of life kind of becomes a toxic, it becomes toxic to our own spirit. So tonight, today, this morning, I want to encourage you, especially with us being in a missions month, and I'm grateful for this time. I'm grateful that our pastors have always allowed us to have this time to be able to talk about the different missions that we support. And we have 12 tremendous missions that we support. You can see them on the big sign out in the hallway. If you haven't seen it, it's out there. It's bigger than all of us. You know, it's, it's, it's huge. And it's in the lobby. Take time to look at the different names and you're going to hear us talking about them over these next weeks. And I love them. I just think they're such great people. And these are people that are missionaries that are out there every day. They're doing what God has called them to do. And they are living this 24-7. And they are out there just serving God. And, and, and I'm not saying that anybody else that's here isn't doing it that way. But today what I'm talking about, not so much about them, but it's about us and what we do on a daily basis. What we do on a regular basis. And thanks to you, we've been able to do some great things financially. We've, we've helped uh, a children's feeding program in Kenya. We've been able to sponsor pastors to go and be trained in Egypt. There's a pastor here in our local area, Pastor Ra- Randy Marin, who runs a ministry called Refugees Need Hope. We've been able to help him. Summer Festive Warren, we've been able to help with that. Macomb Transformed for Christ. Without your support, without your care, without your love, 
That, that brochure that you have in your bulletin today, I, I trust that you will take it. I ask that you begin to pray and ask the Lord, Lord, what is it that I can make commitment to? Because these missions are out there every day of the week and they're doing what you've called them to do and they need our help, they need our support. And as a church, you have blessed many of them. And we continue to bless and I trust that we'll be able to continue to bless them again and again and again. But today, even though it's the start of all the missions or a missions month, I really hope it becomes a heart to us as individuals to be enthusiastic about God's call in your life. Let's not be complacent about what gift God has given to us. Let that attitude of Spurgeon, let that attitude of what Rick Warren said be very much an attitude that we carry on a daily basis. I'm going to read you a, a writing here. This is going to be one of the last things that I'm going to say before we move into our communion time. And I'm just going to ask that you'll let this settle in your heart. Let it settle in your soul. Folks, I've been dealing with this. And again, I, I don't think it's just me. I do believe that this is something for us as individuals in the church that we have to care and love people so deliberately. I don't think we can talk enough about sharing our faith with those that are lost. I will challenge you today that if that statement kind of bugs you a little bit, <laughs> if you're bothered a little bit because we talk too much about conversion of those that need to come to Christ, you become complacent in your attitude towards people. Listen to this. It's called the Fellowship of the Unashamed. I am part of the fellowship of the unashamed. The die has been cast. I have stepped over the line. The decision has been made. I am a disciple of his. I won't look up, let up, slow down, back away, or be still. My past is redeemed. My present makes sense. My future is secure. I'm finished and done with low living, sight walking, small planning, smooth knees, colorless dreams, tame divisions, mundane talking, cheap living, and dwarfed goals. I, am no longer, I no longer need preeminence, prosperity, position, promotion, uh, plaudets, or popularity. I don't have to be right, first, tops, recognized, praised, regarded, or rewarded. I now live by faith. I lean on his presence. I walk by patience. I lift my prayer and labor by power. My face is set, my gate is fast, my goal is heaven, my road is narrow, my way is rough, my companions few, my, God, my guide reliable, my mission clear. I cannot be bought, compromised, detoured, lure away, turned back, diluted, or delayed. I will not flinch in the face of sacrifice, hesitate at the presence of a of the adversary, negotiate at the table of the enemy, ponder at the pool of popularity, or meander in the maze of mediocrity. I won't give up, shut up, or let up until I've stayed up, stored up, prayed up, and paid up, and preached up the cause of Christ. I am a disciple of Jesus. I must go till he comes, give till I drop, preach till all know and work till he stops me. And when he comes for his own, he will have no problem recognizing me, 
my banner will be clear. And that was found in a book by Dr. Robert Moorhead. His book's called Words Aptly Spoken. And from what I can find out, this was written by a Rwandan man who was forced to renounce Christ or die. And they found this writing that he had in his house, and he did die for the sake of Christ. And I'll tell you what, when I read that, I'm just thinking, wow, complacency has crept into my attitude, into my spirit. I just want to pray with you today. If you'll bow your heads. Father, we come before you right now. Lord, we thank you for this opportunity. We thank you for the greatness that you have showed us through your love, through your sacrifice, through your, your giving of your son, Lord, to the giving of your son Jesus to us, that we can have life and have it even abundantly. But Lord, help us to not always think how it should be. Let us have this attitude of the unashamed. Lord God, that it's not about popularity. It's not about power. It's not, Lord, it's about your name and about people coming to a place that get to know you because we've been used as a tool of our Jesus to win somebody to Christ. Thank you for that gift. Let that stir in all of us, Lord. Let us not be complacent in our attitude towards you or Lord in our attitude towards others. We give you the praise. We give you the glory in Jesus' name. Amen.